Welcome back into One Winning Pod, where week eight of the 2023 regular season in the NFL is fast approaching. And the Ravens will be looking to keep their foot on the gas pedal as they travel west to Phoenix, Arizona uh, to take on the Cardinals. And here to talk about it with us is a special guest who we're honored to have on the show. Uh, he played tight end in the National Football League as well as minor league baseball prior to that. Ed Smith, welcome to the show. I appreciate, appreciate you guys having me on, man. So, man, I guess to start out with it, um, you know, obviously the Ravens were coming off a big win here, a much bigger win than we were expecting against Detroit. We were all expecting that to be a, a tight battle. Uh, Detroit, good year. Arizona, um, you guys look great against Dallas, uh, have fought in some games, but unfortunately the record, uh, not super great so far. But um, what are you seeing from from this team that's uh, giving you uh, excitement? Well, you know, at the beginning of the, you know, even the, the, the takeover, new regime, Austin Fort, you know, Gannon and the new staff, uh, you know, we were a little perplexed out here through the summer thinking, you know, about that T word. Everybody was talking about that big tank, you know, and uh, the, the, the thing that I was worried about was not only were we going to tank, but it was just going to look horrendous. And because, we know, you know, we don't, we don't have a lot of talent on this roster. And surprisingly, you know, the first few weeks of the season, the Cardinals not only like debunked the tank thing, we're actually playing well and should have won a couple of the early games. You know, we gave up a, a lead in both Washington and uh, the Giants. You know, we floundered a 20-point uh, lead at the half. And, you know, it was almost like, you know, my theory was it's not going to be the wins and losses. It's going to be how we look in these games. And they started off looking pretty good. And over the last few weeks, you know, after you know, even after that surprising win against Dallas, the last few weeks have kind of looked like everybody thought it was going to look. We've kind of regressed a little bit where we're, you know, not playing well, um, overmatched on the field as far as talent. And it is kind of, you know, we we took a, 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 a right turn to end up where we – thought we were going to be in the beginning at, you know, right now, currently one and six could very be easily be one and or oh and seven, or it could be like four and three, but I mean, we're, we know we wear it respectively. The great thing I think is that we're at least out there fighting. We don't have a lot of talent, but we're at least out there fighting and, you know, we'll see where, how, if we can scratch a couple of wins out moving forward, but you know, it's been a, it's been a rough ride. These first, uh, first eight first seven, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> well, and one question I have for you was, you know, they brought in a new coach, Jonathan Gannon from uh, Philadelphia, their defensive coordinator. How do you feel like he's been able to lead this team? And um, what's the overall sentiment right now with Jonathan? He's done pretty a pretty good job. The You know, he's, it's kind of, you know, first year coaches. You, you got to kind of let them learn on the fly. You guys have been spoiled over there with a hardball <laughs> for a long time. And, you know, shout out to, to Harbaugh as well. He was my special teams coach when I was in Philly. Absolutely love that dude. But Gannon, oh, wow. you know, and his staff, oh. they're really trying to figure it out. What I do like is they've taken, and, you know, I wouldn't like to use the C word around here too much, that culture thing. But he's actually creating a good culture within the building. You know, we had a little loose ship over here for the last few years with Kingsbury. And, he, you know, Gannon kind of came in set some rules, set some standards, and and also, you know, kind of preach to the guys, uh, regardless of, you know, what the final score is, we're going to go out there and play hard. 
And that's what I've seen so far, which has been encouraging. You know, they obviously stripped the roster down to the bone. You know, you can't expect much when, you know, we're as you know, have lack of talent like, as we do and obviously playing with a backup quarterback. But, you know, I like what I've seen as far as, you know, nobody's giving up out there on the field, fighting hard to the last whistle. And, you know, I, even with the one and six record, it's been respectable so far. Yeah, I mean, think about it, too, just between the, you know, difference of a, you know, we're talking about culture, just difference between like a, you know, an Urban Meyer led Jaguars team versus, you know, the, you know, first year or so of the the Bengals before their resurgence, right? I mean, they were, those guys are playing Absolutely. hard over in Cincinnati and, and it, it translated into wins very quickly the following season. So, yeah, I mean, all things considered, I think it's, you know, it, it sucks to, to not see your team win, but you know, it, it's it's good to kind of see some pieces there where you're like, okay, maybe maybe they've got something here. Maybe they got the right coach and just need to get some guys in. So, and we went through it a few years ago when we had Steve Wilkes, and they went out and drafted uh, what was his name, Rosen. You know, and mm-hmm. that team that was a rough watch. That was a my partner and I, Jay, we would watch those games, and it was you could see guys just checking out in the second half. You know, not work tackling, uh, just no spirit, no fire. And, you know, it's obvious. When you see that, it's so obvious. And for this team, regardless of what the score is, those dudes are out there flying around, and it's just going to take time. It's going to take, you know, front office to get the right mix of people in or players in here, continue to build, you know, from the inside out. And then we'll see what the quarterback position, how that kind of unfolds as we move forward as well. Yeah, I guess we can transition right into that then. I mean, the quarterback position you're talking about, uh, you guys had Rosen and then you moved on to Kyler. And um, obviously right now he's hurt. I know his uh, practice window opened up. He's doing some practicing as of late. But um, as far as I know, uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like it's going to be Joshua Dobbs once again for this game. Uh, Like you said, I think he was part of that right turn at the beginning of the season played better than we were expecting and now has kind of regressed to the mean a little bit in this past couple of games. Um, so as far as the quarterback position, what do you think Arizona uh, can do to kind of get that part of the offense back on track, given um, what Dobbs can give the offense uh, while they wait for Kyler to get healthy, if he's going to play this year? Well, you said the magic word, Peter, wait. <laughs> because right now, I, I keep trying to tell everybody out here, you know, they're they're like calling for Joshua Dobbs' head, and I keep I keep asking the question, what did you all expect from Joshua Dobbs? You know, he came in here with ten days to go before camp ended. You know, no offseason, no OTAs, no nothing. You hand him the keys to the car, and he's learning on the fly as a backup quarterback. He is not uh, one of these top tier you know echelon players so yeah. you know what did you expect we're getting what we thought we would get it just we we got some good in the beginning and everybody i don't know if they got their hopes up and then it's kind of going back to what i initially thought it was going to look like in the from the very start and it's like you know and then now we got people calling for clayton tune of all things and i'm thinking to myself <laughs> you do you know what that would look like of you know Hey, all due respect, Clayton Toon is not the answer to what people want to see out here. And at this point, Joshua's at least giving us a chance to stay in these games. It doesn't look pretty. He has kind of taken some steps back. But at the same time, 
you know, what, what, what did you expect? So, you know, until they make a decision on Kyler, whether it's, you know, we're going to go ahead and give it a run with Kyler or we might get to a point, you know, we're one and six now for one and eight, one and nine. What's the point of bringing him back if he's not 100% healthy? And also, you know, you risk injury, you risk all type of things. It's not like he's coming back to sit behind a great offensive line with a great warning game with great weapons on the outside. We got uh, <laughs> we got a bad offensive line. We just lost Connor, who's on, on IR for the next few weeks. So he's not even going to be there. And we've got a mosh posh of wide receivers, you know, with Marquise Brown as our number one. Most teams would have him as a three on their roster, you know. So it's like, be careful what you ask for. You know, we take, you know, let's let Joshua – you know, to drive this car as slow as he has to right now. We'll see what happens with Kyler. If they get to a point later in the season, they don't bring Kyler back, and you're also looking at maybe getting some high draft picks, the more we lose, what might be the answer is, hey, let's let Joshua drive this to about week 12, 13. Then if you want to take a look at the rookie just to see what you have, then you do that. But you don't pull that trigger now. And, you know, you let you let Joshua just try to continue to get better and, you know, hopefully we can squeeze a win or two out. But like I said, what are we, what are we thinking in terms of, you know, what do you, what do you expect from the man? <laughs> well, Ed, one thing we wanted to definitely talk about because in a way, you know, everyone likes to talk about school positions. They play fantasy or whatever, but what really drives offenses in my opinion is how good the offensive line is. If you can't get good holes and you can't mm-hmm. get pass protection, you're not going to see these developing, you know, plays downfield. So, uh, you know, Marquise Brown could do something, right? <laughs> you know, you got yeah. you got to have you got to have time in the pocket, and we know that they invested in Paris Johnson in the draft and try to uh, bolster the offensive line that way. How's that unit working so far? And um, I guess what's the development we're seeing? Well, you know, the the tricky part about offensive lines, you can like for it was a totally ignored during the Kime era, and I kept I would you see I don't have any here as it is, right? And every draft would come around. And we would draft a wide receiver or a tight end, and we get to the fourth, fifth, and sixth round. Then we just want to start picking offensive linemen. And I'm thinking to myself, you don't build it like that. You got to spend some of those early draft picks on that position so you can get these guys in here. That's the one group. Fans don't understand. That's the one group that there are no substitutions on that group if you can help it. You can mm-hmm. sub out wide receivers, defensive linemen, you know, packages with your cornerbacks, you know. You do you want a cohesive unit as far as the offensive line. That takes time. And we did go out and we got Paris, you know, and it's going to take a lot more than just him, but it's a step in the right direction. And I'm glad they got him. They got him into the fire. He's learning, uh, you know, some good, some bad, some ugly every now and then. But that group in a whole, that's not something you turn over in a year or two. That's going to take time. And I'm glad they're at least – they addressed it this past draft. I hope they use more and more capital. Maybe we get a great, you know, free agent or two in here to, to kind of speed the, the, the process up. But, you know, it's going to look ugly until we get five dudes that are all, you know, top notch. And you guys know you see it over there. It's it, it takes time. And that unit, man, I'm telling you, when they get it right, it's I mean, that's where it all starts on both sides of the ball, defensive and offensive fronts. And uh, hopefully their thought process here is let's continue 
to pay attention to that and grow it. But we're off to a good start. Like I said, I was so happy when we picked picked Parrish up last year. It was like, oh, my God, it's like prayers answered. Somebody <laughs> finally addressed that position. Like I said, now it's just going to take a little time to get it all right. But like I said, at least they took the first step. Yeah, I saw because of injury, uh, Tristan Colon is uh, is playing for you guys. And uh, we know him well from uh, his time in Baltimore. He played center for us, but it looks like he's filling in a guard now for you guys. So, um, I guess like behind that offensive line, your running backs have had, you mentioned James uh, Connor on IR, uh, kind of been having an interesting run because uh, Keen Ingram, I th- believe, got hurt. And then uh, Damari DiMercato c- came in. Um, but now uh, Keontae Ingram is back. So, like, um, what has that room been looking like? What kind of like running schemes do you normally see? Is it more of a zone or a gap? Or how does it usually work out? Yeah. That's another thing that's a work in progress. And, you know, when you have somebody like Connor, that, you know, he's the perfect dude for this offense because, you know, he's a, he's a downhill guy and we needed that. Something to take pressure off of Dobbs, you know, maybe, uh, you know, pick up three, four yards first down, you know, so you're not looking at these second and third down long distances. You lose somebody like Connor, that takes the steam out of everything that we've been trying to accomplish here. And, you know, it's 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 just going to be something we're going to have these guys, these young guys going to have to step up, minus Connor, you know, being in the room. The one thing I have been kind of uh, excited about is even, you know, whoever's behind, uh, you know, Dobbs in the backfield, we've stopped all this, um, was it the uh, pistol formation? We've at least gotten to a little bit of quarterback under center to try to help with that run game. And, you know, like I said, when you look, you look at our room compared to in each position, you look around the league and there's a reason why we're one and six. We don't have a lot of talent in any of the rooms, you know, by barring tight end, we got, you know, Ertz here. We've got Buda Baker at our safety position. We don't really have what you call great skill position players. That's something they're working on. And, you know, moving forward, man, I'll tell you every week is, just a little bit of a guessing game in terms of what the game plan is because they're still trying to figure that out as well. Petsing has been doing a decent job with the talent he has. But, you know, from week to week, when you're dealing with, like I said, our quarterback position, our offense line you know, condition, uh, you know, Connor goes down, it's a mystery as to what the game plan is going to be. I will say this one thing. We have been one of the most conservative teams that you can imagine. We haven't thrown the ball up the field, and that's for many different reasons, because we don't have a great offensive line, because we're going with a backup quarterback. Um, all these different, you know, our wide receiver group isn't the best out there. But I would imagine at some point, hopefully they're looking at the season, the more we fall behind in the standings. I'm hoping they open it up a little bit, take the gloves off of, um, you know, uh, Dobbs a little bit, let him throw the ball up the field a little more. He's, he hasn't thrown a lot of interceptions, but he also hasn't thrown the ball up the field a whole bunch. So, you know, maybe with the running game, they can get that going a little more, you know, take the kitty gloves off, the, the training wheels, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I would always, with a team like ours, we should be a team that nobody knows what we're going to do from play to play and, you know, series to series. Fake punts, um, razzle-dazzle, you name it, we should be doing it because what do we have to lose other than instead of losing by – 20 we lose by 24 right so at some point <laughs> hopefully they'll get to the point where you know we open everything up but you know a running game everything has to improve at this point 
Yeah, that's a great point. I think, uh, you know, by definition of that, definitely seems like a trap game. Um, and, and the Ravens tend to be playing down to opponents this season. I think that's one of the common themes. Um, I'm playing up to good opponents as well. But, <laughs> but uh, you know what you guys yeah, should do? It, it put on, the, I guarantee you, Harbaugh and the staff, go grab that Dallas tape. All you got to do is show them anything can happen. That'll open mm-hmm. up a lot of guys' eyes within that room. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I was going to transition a little bit over to the to the receivers and tight ends, though. Um, yeah, because you mentioned the tight end room um, seems okay. I mean, you know, you got Ertz, you've got um, McBride as well. I think that's a solid mm-hmm. uh, a solid one two combo, kind of at the tight end uh, position. But uh, you know, I kind of wanted to piggyback what you were saying earlier too, just about kind of opening it up and just. And, uh, you know, letting the guys play, take the glove offs a little bit. I, I think it's really interesting, too, both from like a roster construction, right? You know, you get a chance to take a look at some of these receivers because, yeah, it's, it seems like, you know, for I'd say for most Ravens fans, I think obviously Hollywood Brown, we, we recognize that name. But aside from that, with, yeah. with Hopkins gone, really, um, who are the other guys on, on this roster? And, you know, where do you kind of see them fit? Well, you know, I I actually have to look myself from time to time because I forget who's <laughs> in that room. The, you know, it's you know when we do we when we lost Hopkins, and obviously there was no reason to keep him here. Um, we weren't going anywhere. Uh, we've got some younger guys. There's one young man I always forget his number number fourteen. And my apologies because I like I said sometimes the roster the, the name skipped my. Yeah. But we've got a young man number fourteen. I'll look it Michael up in Wilson. a second. Yeah, there you go. He's been yeah. shining a little <laughs> bit. He's he's been yeah. thank you. I appreciate you guys actually help me out there. Um, he's been <laughs> shining a little bit, which has been a, a good thing for us. You know, Marquise is going to be Marquise. I you know I we just like I said we got a long way to go with this roster at the skill positions especially. And you did mention Chris tight end room is that's a that's a solid. Uh, a group, obviously, especially with Ertz being in there. He's kind of – you would think that Ertz would be more of a, a, a weapon they'd be using because, you know, every young and struggling quarterback, tight ends and those over the middle, that's, like, so valuable, a great tight end. We haven't really utilized Ertz that much. I see McBride's getting into the game plan a little more. Um, but, like I said, once again, when you're – with the roster like this, we're struggling at all. Uh, facets in terms of trying to create uh, big plays and you know it's just it shows you know and and I'm not sure whether some of it is just non-confidence in you know turning it loose with Dobbs but you know maybe it's just because we don't really have the weapons on the outside so it's really interesting it's it's funny a, a lot of what you're saying reminding me of this team is reminding me a few years ago uh, we're also big baseball fans here and uh the Orioles back, you know, four or five years ago, we were just completely rebuilding and you're just looking at this team and you're just like, okay, wh- who are the guys individually that we're going to get excited about to, because we know that the overall outcome of the season, that's already, a, you know, a done deal, but uh, yeah. you know, a lot of that, but there were still some games, even though in, in those seasons, 2018, 2019, um, the Orioles, they went on a couple runs here and every now and again, we'd go on like, you know, win five of seven, win, six of eight, which was a big deal in that little bit, gave you something to root for. When we're looking at this Cardinals offense, from what you've seen with the Ravens defense, what do you think is a formula for this offense that could work against the Ravens defense that uh, that the coaches will have to prepare for on our side? 
Oh my goodness. Ball control. And it sounds so boring too. ball control. Keep the hands out of your offense. So away for keep the ball away from your offense as much as possible. Uh, try to create some type of running game. And then we, we have, we have to surprise you guys in some form or fashion. If we continue on with the dink and dunk and dropping Dobbs back, you know, three and five step drops and, you know, asking him to survey the field, which he's been making more mistakes now. You know, we start turning the ball over or just make it where we're not even possessing the ball at all. It's going to be a, a cakewalk for you guys. I, I, against Dallas, what surprised me the most was they utilized Dobbs' legs a little bit, and that took Dallas totally by surprise. A couple of, you know, Dobbs going out of the backside, a couple of those, um, you know, read options and stuff like that. I think you got to get him more involved with the running game. It's not like you're saving him for next year or anything like that. You know, I, I know what, you know, what, what, what do we have to lose? I just think we, we need to open it up. There's a combination of running the ball, opening it up a little more with the deep, you know, some, some deeper routes and stuff like that. And, and maybe a, a gadget or two here. We tried a fake punt this past weekend against Seattle. If you guys get a chance to look at that, if you want a quick laugh, go ahead and look at that one. Was, <laughs> you know, they actually, now it was rough. And I said to my partner this morning too, it's like, so we're going to run a fake punt. And we're also, they forget that there's probably somebody upstairs in the booth with the binoculars, right? We're watching, right? And they see our backup quarterback run onto the field in the punt formation. And they're probably thinking, <laughs> Okay, what do you know? What they got their backup <laughs> quarterback coming out. What does that probably tell us? They're probably going to try to do something silly here. So you know that that was that was a panic move of all panic moves. I think they they thought they wanted to do something creative. They just couldn't pull it off. But as far as how we win this game, we got to possess the ball, um, like be a little more creative with how we you know because we can't run the ball just straight up against your front. Uh, we, you know, we got to get on the edges. We got to do something to create some big plays. That would be my biggest thing. Create big plays, some chunk plays, because the longer we try to just dink and dunk up the field, the more room there is for error. We saw that this past weekend against uh, uh, Seattle. We had a couple drives that failed at the end because, you know, we just we can't sustain them. Uh, just going up the field and, you know, interception here. One guy actually got called back, but we just had to be more creative and, and try to keep the guys off your toes. If we try to get in the middle of the ring and just, you know, trade punches, which is going to be a long, long day. I guess if we want to move over to the defense, it's an interesting group. Uh, definitely been investing in your edge rushers uh, from what I can see in the draft. How has that development started off so far? And are they getting good pass rush? It's been pretty good. You know, I, I, I we we let so many guys go from last year. Uh, we got a we got a a, a group that the, the, the was a proverbial high motor. Uh, you know we don't have what you call. We went from having Chandler Jones, uh, um, Watt, and and others to this group we have now. So with the, I think what we've been doing is through Zayvon Collins, they've been moving him around a little bit, and then getting creative with some of the pressures and bringing some some blitzes. The only problem when you bring the blitzes, you're opening up your secondary to all kind of trouble. So it's it's kind of like rolling the dice. We, we try to pressure, but if we don't get there, it's going to open us up on the back end. Like So we don't, as far as our front, you know, we don't have anybody that I would say is uh, wrecking, you know, wrecking shop up there. But as when they work together as a group, they look pretty good. 
and that's been impressive. And then obviously the scheme is, is what it's all about. If you can, you know, get some guys coming free. Uh, we put some pressure on Gino this past week, which caused him to make a couple of mistakes. So if we can do that type of thing, the only problem is Gino is not Lamar. And oh my goodness, <laughs> you bit. saw what Lamar <laughs> can do if you, you know, one if you don't corral him right away and you give him too much time back there, he's going to dice you up. But then you let you know you turn your back on him for a minute and he's gone. So that's that's probably keeping our defensive uh, coaches up. They're going to be thinking about Lamar all week and how do we stop this? And I would say almost can't stop it. So we'll see. Yeah, it's funny. I feel like, um, you know, going back to the Detroit game, going into it, um, we were talking with uh, Glover about it, is that the defense was s- kind of similar. Like, I-, I do think the talent level in Detroit's roster is a little bit higher. But that being said, there were a lot of names that you really didn't recognize, at least around the league, I think. Um, I think it was a lot of guys playing really well and just knowing their assignment, doing things real well. And it, it really, it seemed like in the first half, against Detroit that's it, it was kind of that Lamar X factor of just you know being able to get out of a sack escape by a couple seconds and that you know that touchdown pass to, to Aguilar uh was was all on Lamar uh, to be able to buy yeah. time for that I mean he was dead to rights <laughs> but uh you know eventually I, I think eventually Detroit kind of lost a little bit and then I think some of their technique kind of broke down because it, it got a little bit easier he didn't have to have Lamar kind of you know, make those plays all the time. They became a little bit more routine. But, you know, that being said, um, you know, like like I said earlier, it's it's a week to week thing with these with this Ravens team. Uh, you know, one week we score five touchdowns, and then you know the week before we score six field goals. So anything can happen. I think if a team's playing really well, they're communicating really well. I think there's always a chance. Yeah, and the the thing with with the, with Lamar, you can't account for those plays that he just goes off. And you know, we had the same. We have the same thing out here with Kyler Murray when healthy. You know, so we've experienced the headache that he can cause other you know defenses. And it's the same that Kyler isn't really healthy right now because he would have been great to simulate what it's going to be like to to get after uh, Lamar. Uh, this this weekend but like i said because you, you really can't you don't you don't know how fast lamar is and what he can do you can look at it on film but then when you get out there on the field it's a whole new beast and animal and i like i said he we, we can prepare all we want it's going to be a true test to reel him in and i'd be interested do you spy on him do you you know i you got to be obviously disciplined in your lanes if you're you're going after him but you can talk it until the time to go after and actually try to tackle him. And I mean, that could get ugly pretty real fast. But I'm, you know, it'll be interesting to see what kind of game plan they come up with to uh, try to attack him. Yeah, it's, it's a real shame Kyler won't be playing in this game. I mean, like you're saying, you know, Kyler can do some really special things with the football in his hand, too, when uh, when a play breaks down. And man, hopefully someday we'll, we'll get that matchup. Um, I don't think, I don't think Kyler and Lamar have played against each other. I'm trying to think. Maybe in, his rookie year was 2019, right? Kyler? Yes. Yes. Okay. So the that, yeah, second that NFL game, I think. Not... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because we played you guys in week two in Baltimore. Um, but Kyler, that was was really early in his career, so I don't think it yeah. was too much of a back-and-forth game, if I'm recalling correctly. But, but um, yeah, I think you're hitting on some interesting things here, though, when you're talking about... Um, 
you know, what the coaches are going into looking at having to play against a guy like Lamar. Um, what's the game plan going to be um, with your experience in the NFL? Um, thinking back to it, I guess it, back in your day, it would have been guys like Dan Marino, Terrell Davis. Um, how much does that really change what a defense wants to do? Is does it is it just, you know, you're really heightened and you're just really making sure you know where that guy is all the time on the field or is the teams generally um, are really making some big changes to what they're they're doing from uh, usually when you're playing a guy who has that ability to just take a game over and just win it single-handedly if things go off the rails. Yeah, what you try to do, and I've been you know around teams when you're planning for that dynamic uh, player, you try to simulate it as much as possible. I've been on teams like you know the 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 quarterbacks we had many many years ago weren't as you know they're they're much more athletic these days they we used to when we did face a quarterback that might cause us some trouble they used to actually bring wide receivers in to simulate running the offense because you wanted somebody back there with the speed to try to you know kind of emulate what you're going to be up for and then you know no one of the things you do is you extend the plays because you know Lamar has the ability to do that. So, you know, you might run a play and it might be broken and, you you know, it doesn't end at the whistle. It just continues on because we know uh, Lamar escapes and next, you know, he's 60 yards up the field, you know, that type of thing. So, you know, it, it all depends, you know, what the focus is. I remember one of my funnest times when I used to, when I was playing was, you know, being a tight end, we play, you know, we played Denver a few times throughout my career. And those guys, it was always fun being Denver tight ends that week because they were really innovative of what they were doing with Shannon Sharp and different things yeah. like that. So it's kind yeah. of the same, same theory, you know, you try to show as much as you, you know, show the, the, the deal, like if we're doing scout team for our defense, you try to show them as realistic as you can, you know, this is how they're going to do things on the flip side. I remember preparing for somebody like a Romanowski, you know, on the defensive side. So, you know, he was a real jump around guy. So, you know, we'd have somebody, you know, just doing all kind of crazy stuff on the other side, you know, basically pissing you off because that's what Bill Romanowski did as well in real time. So you try to simulate it as much as possible, depend on uh, the actual player that you're trying to show off. But, you know, yeah, I, it's, it's hard to emulate a Lamar though, because he is so doggone fast and he not as he just fast, but he's great thrower as well. You know, so he brings so many things that are gonna give this Cardinals defense fits. And I know you guys are thinking just like I am, it's it's just a matter of which uh Ravens team shows up. You know, is it the team <laughs> that we saw against Detroit the other day or against the Steelers a couple weeks ago, whenever it was. You just never know sometimes. All too true. Uh we're I'm definitely hoping like that's my like hope for this game. My number one hope is just like Ravens do come out and and like look like you aren't, you know, keep the pedal somewhat to the metal. You know, they don't have to have 38 <laughs> points. I actually don't expect them to, right? But I they just need to like not look like they're having a hangover from uh from the yeah. Lions game. They, they got to you got to just go out there and, and play well, play competently, good ball control. Like that would be that'd be great. Um <laughs> so but like, you know, you look at this defense and you just don't want to overlook it because we, I mean, shoot you from the Ravens perspective, we were super worried about our corners coming into this season, third round pick a bunch of guys off the street. Well, it turns out like we were able to scheme it up real nice and our secondary played great, you know, and like those guys excelled well and with a defensive minded head coach and um, 
and and all that going on, you could start seeing that from them. I understand that your defense might not have had the best success so far, but it doesn't mean that it can't start clicking. So I guess like from that perspective, what are the players you would say to take a look out for you feel like are ascending? Oh my goodness. That's I always got to keep your eye out for Buda Baker. That's our that's our anchor back there for one. Uh the problem with that is if your best defensor defensive player is making all the tackles and shiny, if that's your safety, two things are <laughs> happening. He's either spending a lot of time at the line of scrimmage or he's cleaning up stuff deep in your secondary. So, yeah. you know, the big thing for us if nothing else, like to get Buddha off, you know, Zavin Collins has to come to play our front as a unit. The, the crazy part is this isn't a game I don't think we're going to have one guy shine. This is going to be a group effort of everybody rallying to the ball, staying in their lanes if they're rushing, forcing him to do uh, things that he's maybe just not ready to do, you know, that type of thing. So, um Golly, I, this game actually this this is the first. I'm starting to get scared the more we play because teams <laughs> are starting to see where our holes are. I think it all started with the Cincinnati game a few mm. weeks ago. We had, you know, and I'll point out one last thing for both our offense and defense side. We are not making adjustments as the games go on. I mean, we're coming into each game with a game plan, and then as soon as it either gets exploited or we see that it works a little bit, we just stay with that, not realizing, and that's because we have a young coaching staff, not realizing that, hey, the other guys over there on the other side, they're also looking to see what's working and what isn't, and they're looking at those little tablets that everybody gets now. They're making adjustments. We just continue on as if you know we're playing the same game all the way through, and that'll get us. So what you'll see, and that's why some of these games, we're, we're very competitive in the first half, we come out both sides of the ball in the second half. Yesterday we came out, couldn't score a point in the second half. And then we also, you know, like I said, we continue to lose these second half leads when we have them. And that's because we're not making the proper adjustments. And if, if this is, a, if, if any game, this is one where we're going to have to adjust, you know, cover the tight end. My God, we've let tight ends in the past abuse us. So Andrews, you know, he's probably looking, thinking this is going to be a big game for him. If, you know, if we do watch this, if we do make some stops and have a decent first half, watch how the second half is totally flip flop because we haven't made the proper adjustments. And a lot of that's on our coaching staff, you know, and they're but they're learning on the fly. They're, you know, they are. This is all new to a lot of them as well. So I'm, I'm not grading them uh, critically. I'm just saying as they continue to learn and get better at their jobs, they're going to figure some of this stuff out. But that's been one of our biggest bugaboos is we'll come out and play decent on both sides of the ball, but then we don't make the changes to counteract the changes that are being made on the other side, and then we end up getting rolled uh, second half in some of these games. And like I said, mark my word, I usually can tell from the first 10 minutes or so how the day is going to go. If we can stay in this game early and keep it close, we got a chance. I'm not saying we win it, but at least make it entertaining. If you come out and – just roll us from the very beginning. It's going to be one of those long days, and we're we're due for one of those. So this might be a, a a game where you guys have probably don't have a lot to worry about come the second half. Well, I guess uh, with that we can go into our uh, 
our predictions for the game. We usually do a score prediction and a bowl prediction, which could be like a, you know, a, a game scenario or a, a player prop that you kind of believe in. And as our guest, you're welcome to go first, or if you want to defer, uh, you know, yeah, you, you no, want the coin toss. <laughs> yeah, I'm going first. Honestly, man, after the way you guys looked last week, and you know, we're coming off struggling a little bit. Uh, we don't have what I would call great home field advantage. Uh, if there are Ravens fans on this side of the country, they'll find their way here to Arizona, and there'll be plenty of seats for them to have. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, we kind of lose that home field. Uh, Lamar is a tough – I'm telling you, he's a tough uh, cover. And I haven't even – obviously, we're early in the week. We haven't seen what the the the, the, the um, uh, spread is. But I'm imagining it's going to be pretty high. My prediction for this game uh, was a one Rocky movie where uh, Clubber Lang said, pain. And this might be one of those painful games for us. And I'm thinking this is one of those 34. To, we scored one touchdown in the last two games. So let's say we score another one. This could be one of those 34 to 13 games for me. You know, this was, I think you guys might come over here and roll us. Man. That's, uh, you know. I guess it's, that's that's definitely that's definitely possible, but I just I hate I hate think like whenever we have these games that you feel like like are quote unquote layups, it, it reminds you that the NFL has a lot more parity than you think, right? And yeah. I, I just like I try not to I try not to get too uh, you know over my skis anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, when you have that, when it seems like you have that advantage, it's hard. But like you said, look at what happened this past weekend. But you know. Every now and then, alligator does work out the way it's supposed to as well. So this could be one of those weeks where it works out pretty good for you guys. <laughs> yeah, I will say for for myself watching or well, not live. I, I was um, uh, not able to watch the game live. I was able to, to watch it later. But when, when I was able to watch it, what it reminded me of was uh, two years ago, twenty twenty one, also a game when I was out of town. Um, the Ravens. We were expecting to have a, a big matchup. A, really tight game but with the Chargers. That was supposed to be a, a really tight game like we were expecting was going to be with Detroit, and we rolled over them by some very similar score to what happened here. And I was trying to think. I was like, oh, man, did that carry over? I couldn't remember what game was next. Next game, Ravens <laughs> came out flat and got crushed by Cincinnati at home. So, again, just shows you week-to-week league. Ravens really have only played one complete game all year, which was against Detroit. Um, but it put together some really good halves, I think. So there's reason to think that this can continue. But, um, yeah, like Alec is saying, even though our score predictions don't have any bearing on the actual outcome, <laughs> I never I never like to feel too confident with this group until they string together a few of these games like we just saw against Detroit. So traveling out west, they traveled well to London. I'm going to say that the uh, offense still does well, but not as well as last week. I'm going to go a little more conservative, uh, 23 to 11 Ravens. Okay. Uh, my bold prediction, um, Ravens are leading the league in sacks. Um, surprising, given how many uh, vets we've had to bring in for injuries. But um, what you were saying about the offensive line makes me feel like that's going to be a matchup the Ravens are going to do well in. And I'll have the Ravens uh, at at least six sacks for this game, which will be higher than what they're averaging, which is 4.2 per game. So put that in for the bold prediction there. Nice. I did look up the early lines for this game it's eight and a half point favorite for the ravens a 43.5 over under and i'm not going to try to do quick math on what that exactly means i guess it's like 30 (laughs) no that's that's too that's too big of a delta i guess like 25 ish to 17 i but uh yeah i'm i'm over here thinking to myself i i think 
I just I just imagine we sputter a bit, right? Last week or two weeks ago, we couldn't get into the red zone and execute. Last week, everything was a touchdown. Let's go somewhere in the middle, right? <laughs> some of the drives are going to falter. <laughs> some of them, are, some of them are going to, you know, go for that. So I, I'm thinking it's going to be a little bit like lower scoring. It's not going to be, a, you know, a shootout. And the Ravens are still going to be able to win, but not by uh, as comfy of a margin as as last week. We're not going to be uh, end of the end of the second quarter and seeing uh, <laughs> the Cardinals go for it on t- uh, fourth down. They're not going to be that that far behind, right? It's going to be a reasonable fo- reasonable football game. I'm going to I'm going to go with like I guess 27 13 20 I, I feel like the, yeah Arizona's going to find a way I actually really like Michael Wilson he was a guy that like if he stayed healthy he looked like he could be a really you know excellent receiver had a good combine shows some tools uh in his limited game action like I said he had a lot of trouble staying healthy um so keep an eye on him in this game and uh obviously we know what, what Hollywood can do so I think I think it might be a little bit closer than uh, some fans might think after after what we saw against the Lions. And then my bold prediction. Hmm. This is a, this is a tough one, man. Uh, I guess for me, I want to see uh, the inside linebacker interception. So I might go back to that. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> we saw last <laughs> week like it almost happened with the row. I'm going to go back to that. Well, I, I, I feel like it's they're due. They're playing so well as a unit and they just haven't had that turnover yet. Okay. Mm, here I thought I was going to be unique. I was thinking Roquan interception uh, for the same oh. reasons, Alec. But uh, no, no, that's okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go in a different direction. But um, I don't know. I guess uh, I was pessimistic last week. I think uh, Glover convinced me that the Lions were going to win, and then uh, they didn't, and everything was everything's backwards. So what does that tell me? Absolutely nothing. I'm just going to do whatever I feel like <laughs> at, this, <laughs> at this point. So. Um, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'd be really bummed, I think, if the Ravens lost this one. I, I'll say that they're going to win. Um, I don't know. I'll do um, – I'll, I'll, say, I'll say they go 30 again. I, I think it's, it c- could be doable. I think Lamar gets a couple of touchdowns. I think it's possible. Um, I'll say 30 to – I'll say 30, 30, 15. Why not? Um, I don't know if the Cardinals put up five field goals or uh, – or, uh, or two touchdowns with a two-point conversion. That's that's not my prediction. But uh, I will say, uh, since I can't go Roquan interception, uh, I got a backup one. Um, I'll go. I'll go. Lamar has uh, at least three touchdowns again. I don't know if they're passing or passing combined rushing, but I, I think he's going to be uh, riding some more touchdowns. Very cool. Well, Ed, really a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, Love the fact we have another person from the Believe Network on, Believe in Cardinals. You can check that out if you want to hear more about this matchup going forward. And definitely check out the whole network in general. They have a lot of high-quality shows. And again, Ed, it was really a pleasure to have you on the show and hear all your insights. My pleasure, man. And uh, you guys keep up the great work and hopefully see you down the road. All right. Well, you can find us on Twitter at OneWinningPod. You can find us on threads as well, OneWinningPod, or email us, OneWinningPod at gmail.com. Go Ravens, and we'll talk to you next week.